0: Welcome to Making More Sense, an extra bonus episode of Making Sense where I read a opinion column, editorial, newspaper article from a financial media to Jeff, and he hasn't heard of it before. He hasn't read it. He's not aware of it. And we'll get his live reaction and see what he thinks. And we'll get the Euro Dollar perspective, not just, you know, what's in the mainstream press versus, well, how does Jeff see the world? So the one we're gonna be talking about is from the March 13th, March 19th, Economist, which as always comes by bottle to the Cayman Islands. It's got Mr. Mr. Biden's big piggyback stimulus, rocking and rolling. Of course, it's all over the news, Biden's big gamble. And uh, this one's in free exchange, which is their opinion column for the finance and economics section. And it's many hats, central banks. The perils of asking central banks to do too much. Let me start. Jeff, you jump in anytime. The Parliamentary Act that chartered the Bank of England in 1694 begins by describing the motivation of its authors to promote the public good and benefit of our people. Ideas about how best the bank can serve the public have changed a bit over the centuries. On March 3rd, its mandate received another tweak when Rishi Sunak, the chancellor, declared that it should conduct policy with an eye towards environmental sustainability. The adjustment is just one example of a wider phenomenon in which central banks are told to accept or themselves take on tasks beyond the standard monetary ambit. The mission creep is enabled by a sense that central banks can and should do more given their firepower and competence compared with some other government officials. That last line (laughs) saved it, right? That's the line that said, well, relative to others, they're doing better. Oh, maybe. No, I I look at the
1: mission creep at central banks because they know they haven't done a good job. They know QE doesn't work and they're saying, well, how can we preserve our status? Well, let's do something else. Let's do something that no central bank that has never been associated with central banking and their climate initiatives and green initiatives are a perfect example of getting outside of their supposedly core competency because they're not competent at their core competency. And it's interesting interesting using the Bank of England as as the setup here because the Bank of England is perhaps the perfect example of what a central bank's job should be. It's funny because you know this. I think this story was told to me by Isabella Kaminska. uh, many years ago, which um, visiting in London and and having her show me around the Royal Exchange in some places, she told me about how in the boardroom of the Bank of England, there was a weather vane. Mm -hmm. And the reason there was a weather vane in the boardroom of a central bank, was because when the wind turned in a certain way, the central bankers knew that the trade fleets would all come f- floating up the Thames River, dock at the, in London, and start trading their wares. And what that meant for the central bank was they needed to issue more currency into circulation, otherwise there wouldn't be enough currency for all of that trading to happen, because economic activity does have seasonal variations. And so the central bank had to be aware of the monetary seasonality that, that, that uh, went along with the seasonal trade pattern. If they didn't issue more currency, what would happen? Well, what would happen is uh, merchants and traders would have a very difficult time selling their goods. It would be an economic drag that was an unnecessary imposition. And so that's really what a central bank is supposed to do. And over the last half century in, in particular, since central banks no longer are able to even define money, let alone have any kind of influence, direct influence over it. It makes sense that there would be this sort of mission creep because they don't really know what they're doing in terms of money anymore. They got to find something else to do because the first rule of any bureaucracy is to legitimize what the bureaucracy does. It's It's to define its own existence. Our interview of Isabella Kaminska was episode 58
0: and our discussion of QE not being effective as per the conclusions of academic studies was episode 60, dear audience, if you wanted to follow up on what Jeff was just saying. Let me read on Jeff. Though central banks have been around for ages, the idea they should operate at a remove from meddling politicians is a fairly recent one, stemming from the experience of high inflation in the 1960s and 1970s. By delegating control over the money supply to central banks, governments freed themselves from the temptation and opened the door to lower inflation and a less volatile business cycle.
1: <laughs> is that supposed to be serious? I, I'm sorry, that's just that's just ridiculous. <laughs> and the it's, funny thing is, it's, it's factually true in that central banks did derive some independence in the wake of the great, great inflation, some central banks did. The Federal Reserve had derived its independence in 1951, supposedly. And it's funny how the central banking, all these central banks around the world were given in the Bank of Japan, not till the late 1990s, but they were given their independence at a time when supposedly that, hey, you go and do this monetary money supply uh, uh, regime when they no longer had the ability to do so. And that has created a problem for central banks that goes along with what we're talking here because being unable to describe, let alone influence money directly has, has created the problem of what do you do in, if you can't do money, what else can you do? And when, you're, when you don't do money, when that's, that's the reason you're independent to begin with is supposedly you're taking care of the money supply and you don't do that, you have to go to politicians and say, leave me alone. I'm doing what I need to do. Don't meddle. That's what really account or independence and lack of accountability has been. We don't do money anymore, so we can't just send you raw reports of the money supply was this. We intervened in that X and Y and all these figures on a table. We now have to justify our monetary policy through, oh, we believe inflation is going to do this, unemployment rate, Phillips curve, all this other stuff. It's not really what what politicians had in mind when they said, okay, you guys control the money supply. What the politicians had in mind was what we just talked about with the weather vane in the Bank of England was that when traders come in and they need cash so that the economy can run, the grease the wheels uh, sufficiently, the central banks actually do their job. And they haven't been able to do their job. They haven't done their job because they haven't been able to do their job for half a century. And it's, it's, it's created this, this sort of weird sort of um, contradiction where central banks are saying they're more transparent, yet they're less transparent and less accountable at the same time. Episode 56 was where we were discussing the central banks being
0: unable to identify and define money. That was about M1, M2. Let me continue, Jeff. Both governments and central bankers have also taken a more expansive view of the latter's mission, central bankers. Many central banks were handed a new financial stability responsibility after the financial crisis. Now, another rethink seems to be underway. Last month, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand was instructed by the government to take account of house prices when setting monetary policy. Some monetary officials are paying more attention to inequality and the welfare of marginal workers. Climate change has become a hot topic. Next section. As a consequence of Mr. Sunak's announcement, The bank will adjust its corporate bond purchase scheme so as not to subsidize firms with large climate footprints. Central banks' insulation from politics makes them a convenient place to delegate jobs that elected officials would rather not handle. Politicians seem as though they're ducking their responsibilities and in the process make central banks seem like political actors. That's my whole problem with this uh, idea is that it should be the politicians responsibilities to do all this job, but they're just shirking their job. And it's, it's, you uh, you you
1: you can see the symbiosis there, right? Politicians don't want to handle this. They've got an agency that doesn't do a good job at anything else other than create statistical models. And so it's a marriage made in heaven. We remove the issue from the polity. There's no voting on a central bank. It's already, it's already, you know, there's a Chinese wall there. It's a completely separate part of the government. And they already want, they're already looking for new jobs because the job that they're supposed to do, they can't do very well. And so it's one of those things that, you know, it's a marriage made in heaven for those politically inclined, including those at central banks who are desperate, desperate to, to get to take the heat off of their economic performance. Because look, for a long time, the economy has not performed the way they have, and even the public has gone is starting to call, to catch on that this QE stuff isn't what what we keep hearing about. So it's not it's not an accident that they're saying, "Oh, Mister Politician, if instead of looking at us and in, in, uh, investigating our our economic performance, let's help you with some of the other initiatives you want us to you might want to have uh, forwarded in some other non political fashion." It's really, that's all it is. It's, it's, it's a marriage of convenience. It's a marriage in Hades,
0: Jeff, you said heaven, but I know you misspoke.
1: Well, from their (laughs) perspective, from the politicians and central bankers perspective too, I mean, you can imagine Christine Christine Lagarde, for example, Oh, what she must be, I mean, who's the, here's a person whose entire career is defined by one failure after another, yet she gets onto the climate initiative and she knows very well that politicians are going to give her leeway on everything else that she does, especially economic performance, because she's essentially doing them a favor, whether she's committed to that cause or not, doesn't almost doesn't matter if she is, then it's, it's another bonus for her. But I, these, these are, you know, Central bankers are politicians in their own right, not partisan politicians necessarily, but they are creatures of government and habit, and they know exactly what they're doing, which is if I do these politicians a favor by removing these sticky, thorny, partisan uh, political questions from their hands and taking on more of an independent uh, role for the government, it's going to preserve the central bank. If we ever get Russell Napier on, he'll he'll have a whole lot to say about the
0: European Central Bank and the power it's taking on completely outside of its remit. And uh, well, that'll be a fascinating discussion if we ever have him on. Well, a couple of paragraphs to go, Jeff. Should America's new willingness to pass fiscal stimulus prove a sign of things to come, then a credible promise to halt unacceptably high inflation by raising interest rates may still be essential. By keeping inflation expectations anchored, a central bank could limit the inflationary effects of stimulus and perhaps also discourage fiscal excess. Credibility depends, however, on the perception that central banks can indeed act independently, expanding their remit to include policy issues like climate change or housing affordability not only places even more responsibility beyond the arena of democratic accountability, it also blurs the boundaries between governing and central banking. There are better ways to serve the public good.
1: A better way to serve the public good, the best way to serve the public good would be for a central bank to refocus itself on its initial mission, its only mission, which should be its only mission which is not inflation, which is not full employment. That's already mission creep. It's really about money. That's what a central bank should do, making sure that the monetary system is not an hindrance or an impediment to the inner workings or the machinery of exchange, Is, is, is uh, who was it, George Floyd, or not George Floyd, um, blanking on the name. Anyway, that was called in the, 18, in the 1800s. Um, the idea Isn't that, that this, well? the central bank's job is very what Walter Badgett had described, which is making sure that the monetary system works and works the way it's supposed to and it's intended. The fact that, it, that they can't even recognize that job or their role in it is exactly why they're moving into all of these other things. And it's no accident that that, that, that process has taken on renewed acceleration lately because you think of how bad things are going now. It's not, it's not a surprise that they're looking for insulation and political cover given how how bad things have turned out for the last 15 or so years. it's That's really what's going on here is, again, a marriage of convenience. And it makes sense from their perspective because, look, what does the central bank actually do nowadays? It has nothing to do with money. has very little to do with economy, not much to do with finance. These are people who, who create very, very sophisticated statistical models, which in all of these other types of political... Uh, uh, environments that are being thrown at central banks, those things could be useful. Because by and large, most people believe these statistical models represent objective science. So what better way to non-politically uh, forward a particular cause, one or another, than to get an agency that's good at creating statistical models, therefore giving it the cover of science, That is then becomes the uh, leading, leading, uh, leading institution uh, for whatever whatever particular topic you want to put in, put onto them. It's ironic. Both
0: Jeff Snyder and The economists agree, but for completely different reasons. Very different
1: reasons. Right? The, they right. say,
0: we can't let these white knights sully their hands, their outfits with politics. We need to keep them in reserve to come save us should we ever need them because they're so good at their job. And then Jeff, of course, you're saying, They can't tie their shoes, so we can't even let's not ask them to do anything else. Uh, I love it. Jeff, pleasure. I'll talk to you again next week.
1: All right, good.